Welcome to The Sway Effect. A new podcast series featuring the innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are shaping the marketing and communications industry today. I'm Jennifer Risi, the founder and president of The Sway Effect. As many of you know, The Sway Effect knows how to create trends, shape opinions, and drive behavior. Together, we will explore in this podcast what's now and what's next in our industry, how we connect brands with industry experts, media, and influencers the world over. And I'm thrilled today to do the first podcast of the new year with the amazing Kat Gordon, the founder and CEO of the 3% Movement. Hi, Kat. Hi, Jen. I'm so grateful that you're with us today. And and as as you just said in our pre-conversation, you know, this is a very powerful day to be having our to having a conversation especially with someone like you that's been driving such change in our industry for such a long time. Mm. Yeah, I mean today is January 7th. I don't know when you release these, but the day after um the I guess you'd call it the well the the coup in DC yeah. and um just it's it's been hard not to be glued to the television and um it's bringing up a lot of feelings for everyone I know. Um, so I'm excited to chat with you. How are you, how are, before we get into what I had planned for us to talk about, um, how, how are you feeling after yesterday and, and what are you hearing from other leaders in our industry? Oof. Um, how am I feeling? I'm feeling like this is the very last, um, expression of a very toxic way of seeing the world that's incredibly um, white supremacist and patriarchal and toxic and entitled. And it's devastating to see, uh, yet it also, sometimes when something is that undeniable and the images are that indelible, in my mind, maybe it is the marketing, PR, advertising background, it's it's truly an amazing moment to kind of get, just get everyone's attention focused on something. And it's the truth of it is so undeniable. And so I, and I'm incredible. I think I'd be feeling very, very grateful if we didn't have the Biden Harris administration coming in. Um, But knowing that they're on deck, knowing even I felt like there was a measured difference in how the newscasters were addressing the moment because often it felt like they kind of broke through that fourth wall, third wall, whatever it is to have more of a personal reflection of what they were seeing as American citizens. Um, So yeah, I I found it really hard to go to sleep last night, both in terms of like to relax my nervous system, but also in terms of turning off the television because it felt so monumental, so historic. yeah, I mean, I, I could talk with you for hours about it because new things just keep entering my imagination around what might happen next. I was, It was so emotional for me to watch President-elect Biden come out yesterday because he has to he has to mend and heal a very divided country and watching his speech and what he asked for President Trump to do. It was just the right leader that we need to go forward to heal ourselves and to repair what has been done. Because what's the most devastating to me is that the world is watching and the world has been watching America. The world always watches America, but the world has been watching us and we haven't been at our best. 
And, you know, we usually are the symbol of what people hope for and, and community and people taking care of each other and helping them to rise up. And it's just hasn't felt good, even worse amongst this, the COVID pandemic. And so to see Biden come out the way that he did yesterday, even for folks that might not be a fan on the other side, you have no, you, you can't deny that he was a true leader and is a true leader. Yeah, I completely agree. There was something, um, it was like the bomb on the soul, like something incredibly soothing about his demeanor, about his tone, about his word choice. It didn't feel like someone wrote it for him and he was reading it off the teleprompter. It felt incredibly a genuine human response to a very troubling moment. Exactly. And and I would say, you know, for for me, you know, having worked with you in so many different areas and seeing what you've done to bring people together, to expose truths, to also drive change. That's the level of leaders and folks that we need around the president right now and folks like what we do every day. And and I that's why I was so excited to be, even though it's a sad day, I was excited to talk to you because I knew coming out of this, I probably would feel better because you're someone who's been on the front lines of doing hard work most of your career. Mm, thank you for that. And, you know, it's an interesting moment because um, before all of this unfolded within the last, you know, week or so, I, I had been feeling a, a kind of like itchiness to write something or say something about the fact that I'm frustrated by what I'm seeing in our industry in terms of, of everyone is, or most everyone is awakened but no one seems particularly brave. And that is very, very frustrating to me because there are a lot of resources and groups that are standing at the ready to help make the true systemic change that needs to happen to dismantle these systems. And I just, I don't think a lot of people understand that leadership in this moment is gonna be something that's incredibly sustained and very messy. And that being a good leader through that is being willing to step in it and kind of, um, it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. And I'm so tired of having like preamble conversations with CEOs and agencies and holding companies that are like, we want to do something, we want to step up and then radio silence. You know, we're here, the 3% movement has offered support of all kinds and even other introductions. And there's not a lot of um, movement. And that is very, very, it's important for me to state that because otherwise I don't want to be an enabler of this kind of like treading water. Um, you're either in for what his, history is asking of us that is long overdue or you're not, but don't say you are and then sit on the sidelines um, with holding a, holding a sign up. You know, it's, it's too late for that. I couldn't agree more. I, I wrote something uh, looking at the outlook for 2021 and just kind of what I think needs to be done. And, you know, kind of along those lines, I was on an interview this morning, you know, I work with Marla Kaplowitz from the four A's and she was speaking with Minda Smiley over at Adweek. And Minda said something which I was so thrilled to hear is that the accountability that even media publications are going to hold folks to in our industry. She said 2020 was the year we gave folks the opportunity to declare what they want to do. And 2021 is going to be the year we hold them to actually make action. And I just said, you know what? That's exactly what we need. That's what someone like you as a leader in our space has been talking about forever. But to hear a journalist tell that 
to Marla today was just so powerful to me because you know what? That's how it is going to change is if they actually start to really talk about what is happening and what isn't happening in one of the most influential outlets in our industry. Yeah, that's amazing. I look forward to seeing some of those headlines because <laughs> that's what accountability will look like. Exactly. So how how are you feeling about this year in, in our industry and what's coming? I mean, last year was a, a hard year for so many of us. Um, there was some people did take the opportunities that did come around what everything that was happening and and change and reinvent themselves. And, and they are on a course to, to move forward. But for most people, it's been very hard and it's not been a very easy time. So how are you feeling going into the new year? Ooh, um, you know, I've said this a few times and I still feel it. Um, it's just not a moment for false certainty. You know, it's, I feel like there's there are too many variables up in the air right now to really understand what the future of our industry is going to look like. And right. um and I say that with actually also a sense of kind of optimism, because when things are up for reinvention, there's multiple people that can shape what they look like. And um, it's been particularly distressing to see um, parents, working parents at this moment in the pandemic. Um, I've talked about this before, that a fear I have is that the motherhood penalty, which is a very real thing, um, is being unwittingly enforced through the Zoom you know, workplace, which, and for that, I mean that people who have been asking to work from home, um, often parents, not always, but uh, there's a bias that when they're at home, they're not as productive or not as dedicated. And we're now seeing, literally seeing inside people's homes. And this is not working from home. This is work from home in an impossible historic moment where every single backstop has been removed. There's no school, there's no nanny, there's no grandparents that can help out. I mean, it's an absolutely impossible situation that parents are in. And I do worry that seeing that chaos and seeing that, you know, distraction um, is reinforcing some of our beliefs that are not true about the productivity of working parents. So I think that's a really important thing our industry needs to do is to solve for caregiving. Um, I mean, even before the pandemic, I've said that if we can figure out how to support working mothers, we will solve the 3% riddle overnight because we so dramatically under-indexed for motherhood in, in the creative end of our business. And so I'm, I'm concerned. I, I'm concerned about people's um, mental health in terms of how much can people be robbed of their support systems, um, their rituals, their routines, um, the things that give them joy, um, for how long? Like how, there's no horizoning right now. It's like, how long is this gonna last? When can we see people we love? When can we be touched? When can we um, touch others? When can we um, have a sense of convening as a community? I mean, even delivering the 3% conference this year, we were proud we were able to go to a virtual model, but I missed our little team like we work so hard and that's always the moment we're a distributed team where we can share time we have a team dinner like these things matter and the unrest at this moment is so incredibly um it's like a a constant drumbeat underneath everything that feels so overdue and yet it's so 
difficult, I think, for people to understand, like, how do you address something so longstanding, so pervasive, so at times kind of subversive and it just, it's such a, it's a hard moment. So I don't know what the future of the industry looks like, but I do think that the, the role we play in society and the work that we create and how pervasive it is and what it signals to people about who belongs and what matters, I think we have a really important responsibility to reinvent how we do business, who's doing, you know, which roles within the industry is, is it's exciting to think about inviting more people to lead um, and to, and to change how we do business. I mean, I'm sorry to be rambling, but gosh, this is just like, clearly I've been like alone in my house (laughs) wanting to have a conversation like this, but things like, um, and this is where I'd love to see Adweek, you know, make good on what they've said. Uh, You know, Coca-Cola apparently pulled their business right before Christmas and, and invited agencies into like a last minute pitch or I, I don't know the exact details, but that was exactly the kind of moment where I was like, this is so screwed up. Like why would a brand like that need to create that kind of a fire drill with the, in a year where everyone's feeling job scarcity? It just felt so incredibly um, just not attuned to the moment. And um, those are the kind of things I hope, you know, we all start to, and I don't mean in a policing fashion, but start to call out and say like, is that necessary? Like, wh- what are you hoping to gain through those actions? So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hoping to have a hand in what's next um, through, you know, our community and our team and what we've seen over the last decade. And um, my ears are also very perked up to hear what others are thinking. I couldn't agree with you more, Pat. We had a very similar situation happen for us um, with with Sway, I mean, I, I it was a very as we all know, it's a new company, new hard year for everybody. Um, I really wanted to make sure I decided as part of my new company that I would give everyone the week between Christmas and New Year off. That needed to happen more than usual, just based on everything that's going on this year. Um, I knew the team needed a break. I knew I needed a break, and I had a, a, a prospect come and say. Um, we need a proposal and a meeting with our CEO before the holiday. And I just said, no. And as an independent, now I can say that, but these days anymore of of having that type of stuff happen, I just think to me, we have to put boundaries in place. We we have to be partners. We can't just be vendors. Um, And if a partner is going to do something like that, how are they going to be as a partner and a client? So it's, it's, it's those types of things that, you know, you have to know boundaries, but we also need to know how to respect our teams enough because the team, it went a long way with my team that I said, no, I respect the fact that we agreed we were going to take time off and I want you guys to have the time. And they came back so raring to go despite all of the stuff going on right now. And they had the best attitude on Monday. And I thought to myself, if I told them they had to work over the holiday, it, it would not done have done anybody good and it probably wouldn't even have been our best work. But those those hoops you have to go through that's happened for so long, we have to be good to each other. And I think that you saw a lot of people need the time off this year more than ever. My email was barely going off last week, which was great. Um, but you know, we're in a time where we need to be a community more than ever, in, in my opinion. I completely agree. And I'm so glad to hear that you stood your ground because until more of us start to do that, 
I mean, I, I really would like to see that behavior of this fire drill and vendorizing um, of, you know, partners to make that kind of embarrassing, like a really doing business and make people that they need to evolve. So last year, obviously, was, was, a, was an unprecedented year, and we had the pleasure of being at your event, the, the 3% conference that you guys do every year. And I think, and I told this to you before, the, the way you guys put that event on logistically, virtually was, was, was awesome. I mean, just even the, the experience you had, like experiencing the event and you're not there just through the virtual technology was, was very cool. Um, you know, those types of events and bringing the leaders of our industry together of substance, I think we need more of those, less grandstanding, more folks that actually want to drive change. And I love how you bring folks together that it's not just the top person, it's someone who's an up and comer or someone who's a different type of team member or different type of speaker that might not get a voice. You know, did you see in 2020, did you see more inclusivity? Did you see things really start to change to set us up for where we want to go? Yeah, I mean, I think that that philosophy of not featuring the usual suspects has been a 3% pillar for a long time, which is why I think people really enjoy our events, because I spend the whole year looking for people that I find interesting or that have a point of view that hasn't really been expressed before. So it's not like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so speaking. I've seen her every year at Advertising Week. Um, but what this year did that was just a kind of, a beautiful byproduct of something that was a challenging, you know, moment was we were able to dramatically change just kind of the economics of our event. So typically we have our event, it's an in-person event, it's, you know, several days, it's very high quality and thus it's expensive. And we've always done a live stream option, but, you know, we cap it at about 1500 attendees because I, I like the way that feels as a, size of in terms of the intimacy but by going on this virtual platform we were able to drop the ticket price to 99 dollars um uh, make it completely free for students through adobe's sponsorship so we had over 1500 students from every kind of university imaginable yeah. attending and we reached 12,000 people instead of 1500 people and so that felt amazing. I mean, it just felt so good, especially being a mission-driven company, to know that more people were aware of our mission, um, because then they become, you know, evangelists and uh, advancers of our, our movement. So yeah, it was a great year. I mean, a huge, huge kudos. I don't really feel like I deserve them. I feel like Lynn Edwards and Brenna Sandstrom from our event team um, and Satya Bangora, our design director, and Nancy Vaughn, our PR director, like a lot of members of the team pulled together and our advisory board, they were amazing at helping advise about like three different scenarios about different economics and who might show up and sponsorship dollars were very scarce this year. And with all of that team coming together, we were able to put on a very, very high quality event with a very timely, uh, the radically inclusive future of work was the theme. And we we fast tracked it. We delivered it in July instead of October because we knew there was an urgency to the messaging. So I feel a real sense of pride of how we took a lot of unknowns and made our best guesses and stuck to our principles. And I think really, you know, showed up for the industry in a way that felt really good. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, 
I would say though, you know, I think everyone, most people that are going to listen to this will know what 3% movement does. Do you want to just refresh every, anyone who might mem- refresh everyone's memory, but also for folks that don't know, what is 3% um, movement's mission? Yeah, thanks. Uh, we are about um, reinforcing the relationship between diversity and creativity. Um, and our you know, origins are in the advertising industry. 3% is the number that at the time we launched uh, in 2012 was how many creative directors were women, which is shocking that it was only 3%. But um, it's really underscoring the fact that we're in an idea collision business and that if you have too many similar minds coming up with concepts or ideas, they tend to be kind of not very dimensional or not very fresh. And so it's all about bringing as many diverse thinkers into um, creativity as possible. Uh, And so over the years, we've had a big impact on how many women are leading in the advertising world. And then the tech world is very much a part of our community and media as well. So I always say that the reasons why women are stalled in single digits are not that dissimilar between industries. It's, you know, same hell, different drapes. But um, then and then you apply an intersectional lens, like what is the experience like for black women? What is the experience like for older women? What is this experience like for mothers, which I mentioned earlier? And there's so many communities within women um, that have unique needs and um, and challenges given the current status quo. So it's been it's been quite a fun journey. Do you feel that over the past year you've seen movement? Like, I mean, I know that you guys have been doing the hard work for a considerable amount of time, but when Black Lives Matter happened last year, you know, you saw a lot of brands, you saw a lot of agencies come out and say that they're going to drive change. I mean, have you seen true action happening? Not to the degree I would have hoped. Um, And I'm sad to say that because I think we saw so much momentum in the last, we're in our, entering our 10th year, and we've seen real true change in terms of women leading companies, uh, pay equity, things that we've, you know, banged the drum around. But I, I really am disappointed at the fact that, again, everyone seems awake but immobilized, and that is disturbing to me. Um, and yet I also uh, try to remind myself, okay, how does change happen at what pace? Um, how many times do you have to have a conversation before someone's ready to be brave? Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm also open to the fact that possibly it will take multiple tries and and brave companies. And I don't even want to say brave because that makes it seem like I think it's not brave to do what we've always done because then we get the result we always have. And that's not brave at all. But um, maybe to be the first or the second or to to be the CEO that knows that this is going to be messy and hard and that they're going to step in it. And um, it's interesting. Something's been happening on our on our little team at three percent where. Um, you know, we kind of have this expectation that's stated that we will model the way we run our little team for how we're telling the rest of the industry to act. And there have been some hard feelings on the team about things um, where people felt, uh, you know, microaggressions or they felt misunderstood. And I kind of had this aha over the holidays where I realized that 
that's exactly what it feels like inside the companies that we're, it's not like the expectation should be that 3% team will have a frictionless existence. It's that we will be able to withstand disappointing each other and having hard, hard conversations more than once. Right. That doesn't mean we're not doing it. It means we are doing it. And this is exactly how uncomfortable it feels. And so that was a good experience for me as a leader to realize, okay, this is this is what change looks like. It feels like you're in this weird in-between place and it feels like you might be letting people down or not knowing that you inadvertently didn't show up for someone or didn't support them, but to have the courage to come back and say, what would support for me look like? I'm sorry, give me another chance. Um, yeah, so it's, it's amazing. Like I always, you're never done as a human. Like you think, yeah. I think there's a reason we live so long because we're right up until the day we take our last breath, we're still learning how we're screwing shit up. And um, that's part of the plan. That's why I love talking to you. You're so honest, because I think you're 100% yeah. right. Like we, we, are, we are never done. And I think that people that want to go out and talk about the next program they're going to announce or whatever, it's like, no, finish what you started, get the hard work done. It's not going to be easy. What you just said, you guys are leading so much change. If you're actually dealing with issues on your own team, it just shows you that we're, we're all dealing with something at some point all the time. And so, you know, at this point where, where we are in our industry, we need to just try to get to the finish line and the finish line is going to always be moved in my opinion because we're always we're never going to be done we're always going to be able to make things better and continue to evolve but i think we need to hold each other accountable and we need to just continue every day to try to be better i mean i learn something every day i know that the people i work with the reason i i, I put a network together of people that all do different things is because i wanted to continue to learn because that's how we're all good at what we do is by just being exposed to people who are different. And that's what diversity is all about. Totally, totally. And you know, I started to recognize in my own nervous system or body, the response of um, when you realize, when someone, um, I don't wanna say calls you out because there's not like that level of like hostility on our team, but, but where someone expresses that like something isn't working for them or that they felt, you know, unrecognized or wh whatever it is. And that, that first instinct in your, in your nervous system, it's, it's almost like a, um, like a bubble that rises in your throat where you're kind of like, and you're almost preparing to like defend yourself. And it's so great to kind of be able to tolerate that and move through it. And then realize on the other side of that, often like within the hour or, you know, very quickly to realize that, okay, yeah, let me get curious about that. Let me re circle back on that. And the more you can get through that lump in the throat feeling, the easier it gets and the more trust you have that you can show up for people that matter to you on your team and your family and your community. And um, I think, and this is, Interesting. When you are the status quo, whatever that is, and whatever culture you come from, but if you are the status quo, and let's say here it's largely white men, mm -hmm. they don't have to withstand that often enough. And it's it's almost like things are too spring loaded to you know mirror the way they see the world, or they don't get challenged enough. And I don't mean that the that they're you know wrong or that they need like extra scrutiny, but it's it's a it's a skill as a human to have to build consensus with others and if you're if things are just too effortlessly handed off to you and you have too frictionless of a of an existence it's it almost becomes a handicap because you're not relating to people 
that are trusting you to lead for them on their behalf. And I mean, in a way, what you and I just talked about in terms of Biden's leadership versus Trump, like is the starkest example of that, of, you know, Biden didn't get up there and make it all about how he was going to take over and he won the election and ego driven. It was much more about, wow, people are hurting. People need healing. What tone of voice, what word choice, what you know, everything about the way he addressed that crowd was designed to, was other, other driven instead of self-driven. And um, yeah, this is the new leadership. I mean, we had a whole pillar about that at the conference um, about um, conscious leadership being one of the pillars of modern, you know, leadership and Dr. Mark Brackett from the Yale Institute of Emotional Intelligence talked about his new book, permission to feel and how leaders that can identify what's happening in their own bodies when different emotions and name them in a very nuanced way and also recognize it in others and try to provide healing. And and it's we're going to be imperfect at it our whole lives. But the more we do it, the better we'll be. And even the gesture of trying to trying to to be good at that or trying to work on that and prioritizing that is something that you value is a gesture of humanity, of common humanity, that you, you're not the one, you don't have the answers, you're not um, the center of the universe. Uh, you are in, we are social mammals, you are in community with other people. And um, yeah, it's, I'm, I never, I never stop being humbled by that as you know I don't know everything and I love that I don't know everything because that means life will be exciting that's what makes you good is when you actually can admit and have self-awareness that you don't know everything it keeps you actually relevant it keeps you just fresh and just there's always new perspective and there's always something to learn to your point that's why we're all in the world and that's why I think COVID is so hard is because we crave human interaction. We crave knowledge. We crave being together and being forced to be apart. We've had to learn in new and different ways. And it's been, we figured it out because we're all really, we're, we're all adaptable human. We're all adaptable humans, but it's been hard. It has been hard, but uh, it's, I'm, I'm always encouraged by just the ingenuity and just the cleverness of people, like watching how certain people have just, flourished or transform themselves by what's going on right now. It's, it's so admirable and it just incentivizes me to just try to keep trying new things. Yeah. Yeah. And even people that are hibernating and gestating, like I think there are a certain kind of thinker that doesn't act in times like this, but kind of synthesizes and is paying it very close attention and is, you know, a lot's happening silently in their minds. And I'm really excited to see what those like later bloomers or whatever the right term is, people that, you know, t- have a longer um, life cycle to their idea generation. They're incredibly valuable thinkers too. And I think we haven't even heard from them. And I am so excited to hear from them. I agree. So something based on what you said earlier about the new type of leadership and the leaders that we want to be leading our industry moving forward, who's doing it right, Kat? Are there folks you'd want to say or look at brands, agency? Is there folks that are doing it right that you would say, watch what they're doing? There's someone to look at. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, typically the, the first place I would go is any agency or company that has passed 3% certification program. And this is not a plug for that program. It's just more the way I think about what leaders, the kind of the, the, the rigor of scrutiny that needs to happen to say a company is modeling it. 
and and as you know, I think there's only eight companies that have passed, and it's a very rigorous. Um, but the common thread in all of those companies is uh, diverse leadership at the very top, and um, and often a very very evolved uh, talent leader. You know, it's whoever manages people. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a very specific breed of kind of evolved HR leaders that understand what the true um, brief, creative brief is around people. Like, and at all of those companies that have passed 3% certification, I would say they have really great leaders. Adobe became the first company to be 3% certified. And I actually was present when we um, presented to their leadership and it was, you just, I don't know, there's just a different vibration in conference rooms like that. But you look around the table, the faces you see, the questions they ask, their openness to, they they actually want to know what they could improve on. They're, they're so proud to have earned the, you know, badge of honor, but they also are like, where can we continue to evolve? And that's the whole mindset about a growth mindset. So, I mean, I don't want to try to rattle them off because I know I'll invariably miss somebody, but... Um, yeah, those are the companies that I think are really leading. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I've seen. Um, here's an example. Um, Airbnb, uh, they had huge layoffs this year because COVID really impacted their their business model. And their CEO, Brian Chesky, um, wrote a very, very uh, heartfelt letter to all of his employees when the announcements were made about who would be leaving the team as part of the layoffs. And he published it on Medium for other leaders to read. And I thought that was a brilliant um, example of what leadership through a time where your company isn't, you know, hold, holding your fists yeah. up in victory, but in like a real, you're on your knees and it's a hard moment and you're having to let people go. And it was so humane, like the way, and even when he talked about what criteria they applied to decide, um, you know, who would go and who would stay, uh, he, he actually identified that they wanted to make sure their diversity gains weren't reversed through this process. And it was just so thorough. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's, that's a good example, I think, of a company that's led by someone who is modeling this very evolved, human, in touch um, way of, of leading. It's when you, when you see a true leader, especially, I mean, I saw so many of the, especially the travel industry leaders step up and just some of the things that I saw um, whether it be Hilton or Marriott and how they talked to their people right when this first happened of how they were going to look to take care of them and the world. And they, they're dealing with such big issues, but for the CEO to come, CEOs to come on their videos, their internal audiences that were then shared externally, obviously, but to just show that level of humanity um, was just so admirable in a time when they probably didn't know what was going to happen. Exactly right. And I also think that, I mean, I'm a creative person, so I love seeing when a beautiful constraint, to use Mark Barden's ha words, happens, where you have to um, almost rethink how you're going to do business. And I love how certain companies um, confronted with, you know, shrinking, shrinking profit margins um, thought, how can we be of service? Like I, the company U-Haul comes to mind because when COVID hit, 
and I have kids in college, a lot of college students were, you know, thrown off campus. It was, we're shutting campus, you know, leave, take your stuff, get out of here. And, you know, you've got international students, you've got kids who maybe don't have a, a safe home life to return to. And U-Haul made um, storage units free to college students that were in any kind of peril of like getting off campus with their belongings in a hasty. And I just thought that was such a great example. Like, and also if you think about it, like, what does it cost them? It's space, you know, it's literally, it's air with walls around it. And they figured out a way, and I didn't get the feeling they were doing it as a PR move, which is why, you know, I'm talking about it because I thought it was just a brilliant, beautiful, generous, you know, move at a moment that was healing to a lot of people that were in crisis. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of creativity on display. What can we do? Who are we? But who are we in this moment where all bets are off? You know, it's like gravity has changed. And so to have to adapt is it's kind of, I mean, I even felt a little bit of this with the conference this year. I was like, I liked the challenge of we can't rely on the way we're used to doing things. So what can we do? Right. Um, and we're in a bit of that space right now. We had a team meeting yesterday and are we gonna have a conference in the fall? Oh my goodness, we couldn't imagine this would like carry over, but um, so we're looking at some really interesting hybrid models and um, I, I'm confident that our team will find a way to show up for the community, but we're gonna have to be super adaptable. Well, I can't wait to hear what's gonna go on, so keep us posted. Okay. Um, I, have, I have one more question and then one more question for fun before I let you go. So okay. what are your goals for the 3% movement in the, in the year ahead? Um, I actually have a very, very big goal and we're doing a, a visioning workshop around it, which is I, I reference that this is year 10. And so it's definitely a year for celebration and there's a lot to celebrate. I mean, the amount of traction and change and movement. Um, so there's that. But really my goal is to set the table for what's next because trying to see what the next decade will require for the work we do is very different than where we were when we started. So my goal for 2021 is to set the table for the next decade. And I don't think my role at that table will be the same, nor should it be. Well, um, and, and so to be super open to how can we apply the muscle that 3% has developed, the community, the trustworthiness of our brand, of our community, how can we adapt and apply it to hasten change even further? Um, it's fun to, you know, in year one, it was all about building the business case. Ugh, how tiresome to have to like make people want to care. We're so far beyond that. It's like people are aware now, we've seen, um, you know, the yields of diversity, um, people are, are listening and they believe they believe in the value of diversity to creativity so what's what's called for next um so it's about reinventing what three percent stands for in order to meet a very different moment in history um and make sure no one gets left behind well congratulations on your anniversary you guys have done amazing work over the past several years, extremely insp inspirable. And honestly, I it, it opened years ago when I first started working with you, it opened my eyes to just thinking about things in a different way. So I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thanks. So one last thing, do yep. you have a new year resolution that has nothing to do with your job? Oh, you know, I, I don't know that I'd call this a resolution, but it's something mm -hmm. new I'm doing and I'm actually writing 
a piece about it. Um, I'm doing bullet journaling. Have you heard of that term? No. What is that? Um, I mean, it might mean something different to different people, but essentially it's rather than like the full journaling experience where you write paragraphs and paragraphs about what's happening in your life. Um, and then at the other end would be like your calendar where you can see where you were and who you spent time with. It's almost a hybrid of that where at the end of the day, and I'm using a paper planner, very analog, I just write a, full, a few bullets about what happened that day. Um, and it could be something like right now, one of my sons is staying with me and we went on a long walk yesterday and we cooked dinner and we watched a, a really good thriller movie. And so just keeping track of those kinds of functional things, but then also, um, keeping in my mood, just like, I don't know, because I think so often the lists we keep are almost driven by guilt. It's stuff we haven't done that we haven't crossed off yet that, and this is much more about like, this is what this day was. This is it. It's over. There's a new one tomorrow, but what happens? So I guess that's my resolution is to be, it's, it's a form of mindfulness, you know, it's a practice, um, but it feels good. It feels good putting a pen to paper at the end of the day. And it, there's no judgment about how much or how little happened. It's just like, this is what today was. I mean, yesterday, literally one of the bullets was coup, all in caps. A coup. January was on my book. <laughs> Let's let's let, let's leave it on. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Kat Gordon, for joining me on my podcast. I always love talking to you, and I learn so much. So, I will talk to you again soon. Happy New Year, Jen. Happy New Year, Kat. Thank you for tuning into the Sway Effect, our new podcast series from our network of innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are changing the marketing and communications industry today. So let's sway together. Please like, review, and subscribe to all things that we're doing. Check out our new website at www.theswayeffect.com and follow us on LinkedIn at The Sway Effect. <laughs>